Hello, and welcome to Teaching Python with Kelly and Sean. This is episode four, Top Python Books for Teachers. Yeah, so this week we're going to be talking about some of the books that are, have made the cut in our library, the books that we find the most valuable and useful, and you know, kind of their intended purpose for each one. So today we're going to go through our top books, but before we start that, Kelly, since we're going to go reading themed for our podcast this week, what kind of reading do you like to do when you're not reading Python books? So that's funny because we do read a lot of Python books. What I like to read is always about learning. I do a lot of non-fiction books. One of the ones, for example, I'm reading is Learn Better, and it's just about the science of how do we learn better versus just memorizing. And it's based on the facts of taking in a lot of the skills and how we apply critical thinking. So even though I'm not reading about Python, it kind of helps me to learn more about Python. Nice. Well, I go completely the opposite direction. So most of my reading when it comes to Python and learning and teaching is really done online. So I'm, you know, more of a blog reader. I like to uh, watch videos. I like to see other people teaching and learn from that. So for me, when I'm not reading Python books, I'm reading usually for pleasure. So I'm reading science fiction or historical fiction. I love reading fiction books. So for me, if I'm not reading something about you know, how to invent your own games in Python, I am usually reading something for fun. That's interesting. And you have a favorite book you're reading right now? I'm reading a, a few different books at the moment. I just finished reading Dan Simmons' Hyperion book. Actually, I read Endemion, which is later in the series. But it's one of my favorite all-time classic books. And I just wrapped it up, and, and it was really a lot of fun to get back into it. Very cool. So switching to our Python books, we've actually been ordering a lot of books. I think we came in with the mindset of just more books, you know, build our own class set, our library, not only for us, but, uh, you know, for any kids that might want to pick it up. And I know you're going to go through a little bit of the higher level Python books as your expert in coding. And I'm going to go with the ones that I tend to draw towards so why don't you start off with one of your first ones that yeah. you really like. So one of the books that I really like is called Invent Your Own Computer Games with Python by Al Swigert. And you're going to hear his name a few times because he's fairly prolific and well-known in the Python community. So this is a book that's intended for beginners. It's published by No Starch Press. And it introduces you to Python through the window of gaming. Every exercise in the book, every chapter, is organized around introducing a, few, a new topic in Python, and comes with an associated game to be played with it. So as I'm flipping through this book, there's things like a guessing game where you have to guess a number between 1 and 20. But as you're going through that exercise, Mr. Swigert introduces you to the idea of breaking down your code into multiple parts and how to structure the program flow and use comparison operators and conditional statements. So it's a great way for the reader to code a project and make it interesting for them through the mechanism of gaming, but also to learn some really important programming concepts along the way. And as you get further and further into the, into the book, you get much more complex in terms of the types of, of work that you do. So you learn how to make your own functions. You get into lists and dictionaries, how to design algorithms, and some of them are even recursive. But then by the time you get to the end, he also introduces Pygame as part of this, so you can start to make your own graphics and respond to user events. So it gets 
pretty sophisticated for a beginner book, but what I really like is that the learning curve for this is a really nice progression. It makes sense all the way through. Mm -hmm. And I've been able to hand this book to students to say, here's a go look at chapter four if you want to learn about this concept mm -hmm. or go you know look at this section if you want to learn how to do lists in an interesting way. Yeah, and I like that. We actually used uh, one of the projects in there, the random number pro program, correct? Right. Yeah, and that was really good. It, was, it, it gives you the code and it steps you through and explains it. Right, and he does a really nice job of doing a lot of offline activities before you write code. So there's a lot of pseudocode in there. There's a lot of flow charts. And so it really gives both teachers and students a lot to work with in terms of how to think through the problems as you're as you're going through and solving them. Yeah. Well, as a newbie to code, when I first looked at Swigert's books, I kind of got scared and I backed away. And this is a person that, you know, I hadn't even studied Python code. I just wanted to pick it up. And we ordered a book called Coding Projects in Python. And I don't know, it probably has a lot to do with it, it has color <laughs> and pictures. And it's by a numerous amount of authors. I think they they did a group both in the UK and in India. But as you flip through the, the book, it really just starts at the beginning, starting with Python. The font's big. It's more like a kid book. And I think it sounds kind of silly, but if you do not know how to code, if you don't even know where to start, the best place to start is where a kid would start, I think. And what helped him with this is I defined a lot of the words it showed snippets of code, and as long as as you built through the code and the functions, it, it would explain it with arrows and everything. So I like that, and I did do a couple of these. It also has Turtle, which I like to use, and, and it also has games, and you can add on to um, user-friendly prompts, and it teaches about flowcharts. And I did a couple of these at the beginning. It just helped me to understand as I was going through the Tinker exercises as well this summer um, more about Python. Little yeah, that, that is a great book. And as you're flipping through it, like some of the things that it has, it has the ability to create your own graphics with Turtle. It lets you go through different shapes and construction. But even though it's a brightly colored book and it breaks things down into really fun, discrete chunks, which I think is really helpful for attention span and learning, it's not dumbing things down at all. It has a very sophisticated flow to it, especially for beginners, and it's done a really nice job of making it very accessible, making it fun, making it colorful. So people who, who are more visual learners and like seeing how things connect together in a visual way, it's not just the fact that it has pictures, it's also the fact that it has lots of callouts and diagrams and notations on it so that as you're looking at the page and parsing through the information, it's really easy to chunk it into pieces that are easy to understand and quickly grok. Yeah, and I used a lot of these examples in some of the slides at the beginning, just the idea is the difference between an integer and a float. I liked the variable, and they jump right in in the variables on you know page 24, so they definitely do not hold anything back. So that, that book, Coding Projects in Python, we found that on Amazon, and I think it's, you know, 20 bucks or $24. It's, it's not an expensive book, but it's another great beginner's book and is really well suited if you're a visual learner yourself, if you like things to be organized and, and arranged in a way that you can jump from piece to piece. It works really well for that, whereas the Invent Your Own Computer Games, the Python, the book we just talked about, also a great beginner's book, but more linearly organized. Mm -hmm. So the next book that I have is Python for Kids by Jason Briggs. It's Python for Kids, A Playful Introduction to Programming. 
And this is a really fun book as well. The examples in here are really colorful. So it gives you the ability to, to tell a story along the way with your code. And I think that that works really well for students as they're learning this. So it goes through and has things like joke generators and conditions, programming puzzles. This one is really strong for the examples that it gives. And then it also comes back through a lot of the same topics, turtle graphics, how to access files from the file system, converting dates, stars. So there's a lot of good reference in here. So if you have a student or you yourself are trying to learn a small piece of Python that maybe you haven't touched before, this is a great reference book because it connects a lot of different concepts together with really good examples that make it fun and easy to understand. Yeah, my next book was uh, Python for Tweens and Teens. As you can see, there's a little theme here. I do do progress into the other books later on. But this one's uh, Learn Computational and Algorithmic Thinking. I like this book because in my previous years of, of teaching robotics and other aspects in technology, we always turn to computational thinking. So I like how this book goes through the process of what's happening in the code. And I also like it at the, the first 11 chapters, it goes through all the, the major topics that we cover in the nine weeks. It goes into inputs and outputs. It goes into Boolean um, expressions. It goes into strings and how you're going to manipulate them. And you're in writing your first real programs in, in like the first couple of chapters. And what I also like about this is it has a quiz feature one of the books from Learn Better, it always tells you to constantly reflect and quiz yourself in, in order for the information to stick. And so if you take a few minutes as you're going along to just stop and, and think about what you just read and quiz yourself, it tends to stick a little bit better. Yeah. It's a really good book. That one also is good because it's a it's a physically a large book. It's a, a large blue book, and it, it feels really satisfying to spread that one out and be able to go through the projects that it has in inside the book. The examples on that one are really good as well. One of the things that I noticed with most of these books that we've talked about so far is that they tend to cover a lot of the same ground, mm -hmm. but they do it in different ways and with different types of examples. So it's been useful for us as we're putting together lesson plans and challenges and self-paced learning activities or projects was the ability to tailor some of those examples to the students that we have. So we could choose one that's more game-oriented or one that's more English or storytelling with a narrative to it so that we could focus the examples on the type of student and the type of learner that we're engaging with. Correct. And in, a, and in this book, it does go further into the turtle graphics so we can provide more examples. I like combining the examples on, on daily challenges. So I'll have uh, one day on a certain function or, and then I'll do another problem, a program the next day. My next book is a beginner book for grown-ups, I like to call it. This is a classic book. It's Automate the Boring Stuff with Python by Al Swigert. And so if you're teaching older students, high school, college, graduate students, this is a fantastic way to really get those students going because this book is more serious examples. And I say more serious, they're still incredibly useful and really helpful to go through. For example, this will let you learn how to create your own web scraper so you can scrape data off the internet for analysis. You can work with PDF files. You can make updates to Excel files. You can send out 
emails online, right? Or automated emails using this. So this is a really great book for just kind of getting stuff done. So if you have like older learners who maybe are looking for more purpose-driven learning, if they have something that they need to learn for the sake of sending out an email or updating an email sp- or an Excel spreadsheet, Automate the Boring Stuff with Python is one of the more advanced books in terms of the types of examples, but it still starts in the very beginning stages of Python. And you know I, what I, sorry to interrupt. You know what I love about these all these books, and this is something that we do tend to turn to, is whenever a student comes to us and has a question... You know, the, our, normally our first instinct is go to Google, but because we've we've gone through a lot of these books, we we know which one to grab and say, oh, I think there's a book in here that you can we can give you to help out. And I've seen that the engagement with the book is really good because it's that act of having the screen open to your code and being able to go back and forth between the book and the, and the code is really helpful for students to stay focused and on track. They tend to be less distracted when they're not flipping between two different tabs in a browser. There's something satisfying about finding a program in the book, and I think the idea of reading the code on a hard copy and having to physically type it in also it does wonders for the learning i find that when the kids go in and copy the code online i don't think they really dissect that code as much so for me yes it's something satisfying about using a book in order to write the code out yeah so again that was the last book we talked about was automate the boring stuff with python by al swigert again available on amazon and list price is 29.95 so i have to give a shout out to the microbit. That was my go-to when we first started. Um, there's something satisfying about being able to load a piece of code into a device and seeing it light up or seeing an image or pressing a button. That first moment when the kids, you know, can do that. And so uh, the programming the BBC microbit, getting started with uh, MicroPython by Simon Monk, was one of the ones that I used. They go through the basics of MicroPython, give you the basic codes, uh, hello world, and it just walks you through all the way down to the touch sensors on the bottom. It goes through the accelerometer, shows you how to connect electronics to it. So I think this little book, I mean, and it's a nice little book that you can throw in your backpack and take it with you, but it goes into a lot of things. It even goes into strings and lists and just has a nice little reference in the back. And I found it very useful. And they also will show you a little bit of the block code in there as well. So I found it something to use. Yeah, what's funny about it is it's it's flipped. Like most books start you off with the block editor to start, whether that's the EduBlocks or Microsoft's Make Code. This actually starts with MicroPython in the beginning, and you don't actually get to see the Make Code interface until like chapter twelve. So they've really done a great job of focusing on the MicroPython aspects of the microbit. And you know, I think we've mentioned this before, but one of the things that we really like about this approach of learning using the microbit is that you're starting with a much smaller library, and the outcomes, the output of your code is much more tangible and hands-on. They can see The students can see the lights turning on and off. They can see the responses to button presses. And your loops and control structures at the beginning are fairly simple. You know, it's essentially a while true loop for most of the beginning beginning exercises that you need to cover. Yeah, and I like it. They also go into the the breadboard, which is one of the things that we also do in our in our in our classes. So it's a great book. It's easy, and it's uh, one of my tops. Yeah, it's very accessible. Um, my next book is one that just got published this fall. 
It's called Impractical Python Projects, Playful Program Act, Programming Activities to Make You Smarter. That's a mouthful. It's by Levon, and it just came out a few months ago. This is my favorite second book. So after you do automate the boring stuff with Python or invent your own computer games, this is the great next book to go to. The reason why is it starts off with an assumption that you already know some basic Python, that you've completed one of those books already, but it jumps right into some really great exercises and examples, including the one that I just did was calculating anagrams, calculating how how many there are in a dictionary. It lets you go through some um, some multi-word anagrams as well. So those exercises, while they're fairly simple and they involve things like string slicing and, and things that are relatively simple concepts for the beginning part of your second course, what I really like about it is that the author takes the time to introduce some good programming practices as well. So the first version of the anagram solver actually doesn't run that well. It's not very efficient. It's fairly slow. It takes like three to five minutes to solve all the anagrams in a 60,000 word dictionary. But then he shows you how to measure that with C profiler and see where the different function calls are coming from and help to understand where there are opportunities to optimize your code and then introduces you to the set data structure, which has a much faster indexed hash table for accessing words within a dictionary. So it gives you the opportunity as the programmer to learn a new way to optimize your programs and take your code to a better place through an iterative approach. So it's a really great accessible way. And each chapter so far has included one of these new programming best practices that's not necessarily related to the example or the data structure that they're trying to introduce, but helps you become a better coder and helps you to think more iteratively about your coding design and how to be a better coder all overall. So this is how I learned to use Python linters was through this book to make sure that my code is well formatted. And I understand that I'm, I'm writing it in a, in a very readable way. But this book is great, and I'm going through it right now. It's It's been traveling back and forth between home and school with me so I can work on a, a program or an exercise in between other tasks. I think I have one beat for you for the newest book out there, maybe. My book that I just got, and I I got it because I love his, his list that come to me in email. I get a coffee break every single day, is Christian Mayer's book, Coffee Break Python, 50 Workouts to Kickstart Your Learning. I really am getting into, or sorry, it's Kickstart Your Rapid Code Understanding in Python. It's a very long title. But I, I love it. It's a coffee break Python. And anyways, when I'm going into this book, what I really like about Christian's setup is he believes in the, in the power of 10 to 20 minutes. You know, do your learning every single day, grab a coffee, sit down, program for 10 to 20 minutes, try to do it, try to solve problems without coding it, try to do, think about the code before you put it into Moo or, or your other software. Editor. Editor, sorry. I'm having a, I've been <laughs> talking about all these books. <laughs> Anyways, as I was going along, you know, he, he just steps you through a bunch of workouts to get you thinking. And the other thing I like about it is all his little cheat sheets. And he even has a cheat sheet out there for data science. He has a cheat sheet for list. So anything where you can just flip through the cheat sheet and find those functions and be able to write them up quicker. And that was one of the things that I was always having trouble to recall. 
And the other thing I like about Christian Mayer is he responds to your, to your emails right away. Really interesting guy. I asked him a question. How do you keep all these uh, vocabulary words? And he says, you remember when you need them. Which is good advice for everyone. Right. So don't worry about memorizing all the words. And if you can't call it the right thing, don't worry. You can always use a cheat sheet. You've sent over a number of those coffee break emails over to me to to test my knowledge and see if I can get it as well. And it's been fun because it's a thing that we can share. Mm-hmm. If you have a teaching partner or if you have students that are really into it and really engaged, if you're all subscribed to it, it gives you that kind of water cooler moment where you can ask, hey, did you see the coffee break? Mm -hmm. And how does it work? And did you figure out the answer? And it gives you something daily that you can compare notes on. I think that has a lot of power to it. And he'll actually extend on it. So once we do the challenges, we reply back, or if we try to take on the challenge, we send in our solution, and then we can have a conversation with the rest of the community. That comes in a lot with Python, I think, of all the, that community feeling where you have someone to talk to and it, they, he doesn't really care that you just started learning Python. So I thought that was pretty cool. It's a really great book and I'm, I'm glad to see it come out. It just came out a couple months ago. So it's really good to see kind of the freshness of all the new books that are coming out in Python and a lot of new ways of approaching learning the language and also learning new ways of thinking through the problems. So the next one I have is kind of a special mention. It's a book from Amit Saha called Doing Math with Python. So use programming to explore algebra, statistics, calculus, and more. And this is, this is a great book. One of the things that I did when I first started learning Python was going out to the Project Euler website, projecteuler.net, E-U-L-E-R, the famous mathematician, and they have a number of math challenges that you can solve that work well via code. You can solve them on paper. If you're a better mathematician than I am, you should be able to do that. As a programmer, they're great ways to think about how to solve problems and how to solve it a Python way. So this book I really like because one of the things that we constantly do is work with other teachers on how to integrate technology into their curriculum and find different ways to help students learn. And so one of the books that I grabbed to be able to do that was this Doing Math with Python book. And I really like it because it is heavily focused on math. It covers a lot of the the NumPy library, a lot with Matplotlib. It talks about lists and tuples and formulas. It covers sets and probabilities, statistics, symbolic math, which was really interesting to see, calculus problems using SymPy. So there's a just a wealth of information in here, and I use this more as a reference material. So if I'm look, working with a math teacher and we're trying to think about a way to explain a concept, I'll grab this and see if there's an example in here that we can write in code that we can step our students through to talk about how Python can help them understand math better. So this has been a great book. It's a little bit a little bit slimmer than some of the other books that we have, which is nice. It's it, but I would say it's a little more dense. This is more of a Python book for for math. It's really for focused on math and statistics and probability. There's not a lot of fluff in here. It's straight to the point, and I really like that. The last book that I want to talk about is a smarter way to learn Python, and. This book is set up uh, similar to the way that Christian Mayer sets up his coffee break in Python. He has short chapters. The whole philosophy is 10 minutes. I always say it's it's learning a language, and the more I read all the books, they say the same thing. It's just like learning a, a foreign language. You need to practice every day. And so the philosophy of this book is 10 minutes, learn about dictionaries, 10 minutes, 
learn about the list and how to slice them. It's really quick. The chapters are literally maximum two pages long. So the idea is to read it, try a couple of the lines of code and, and then move on, try something new or go, you know, take a step back and just think about what you've done. And it's really interesting the way that they go through the book. Mark goes through this book. He goes through with variables and he goes into text and strings. And all the way to the end of the book, he does the while loops, which was something interesting when I was just flipping through. He put that in the end where we actually teach while loops at the very first, at the very first things with a hello print. You can go ahead and loop it and do right. something right. out there. There's nothing quite like showing a kid how to make their name print out a million, a million times. times. <laughs> Anything to get their intention. So yeah, so that's a smarter way to learn Python. And I, it makes me laugh because he says he's even code to grandmothers and cab drivers. So if they can do it, anyone can do it, right? Yeah. I think that's, that's really the goal with all of these is if you have a need to pick up a book, and learn how to code in a new language, there should be something out there that works for you. So we've been doing a lot of reading. These are our favorites this year. And one of the things that we love about the community is that there are new books coming out all the time. We're going to put links to each of these books in the show notes. So if you want to learn more about them, feel free to to click through those links, take a look at what's there. We're setting up as them up just as full disclosure as Amazon affiliate links to support the podcast. But really, these are just our personal recommendations for good books about Python. And hopefully you can find some of them useful, whether you're wanting to learn something new or whether you need to teach something new. These are our favorite books. So before we close out, we have to always keep the learning going, yep. Sean. Besides what's, what you found in the books, what have you learned this week that you really felt interesting about Python? Well, thanks to your recommendation, I took a Pandas hands-on course from Kaggle.com, and it was short hands-on exercises. I'll put the link to the course in the show notes as well. But this was a really great deep dive into well, I say deep dive, but it really was a tour through all the different features of Pandas. And it's done on Kaggle using something very similar to a Jupyter notebook. So each course has instructions and exercises inside the notebook that you can then run and commit your changes when you're finished. So I went through, I think there's five sections. I went through all of them in about five or six hours. And it was a really good, engaging uh, set of exercises. And I had a, a motive in mind. And the reason I wanted to learn pandas was to get to a point where I could analyze some accelerometer data that we had from our model rocket unit in our 8th grade physics class. By the time I had finished the course, I was able to find the data that I was looking for in our data set, isolate it and graph it. And I was jumping up and down in my house when I was finally able to pull that off. Well, I'm glad I can. I could have helped you with that. So, so, Kelly, what was your favorite thing you found this week? Well, you know, you kind of stole mine, but you know, Kaggle, I really like that. Um, I was looking at data science, and I was trying to find ways to manipulate big data within the classrooms, within science class or math class. And I came across this through the ISTE course that I'm taking, and I just really like this platform. The whole idea of this website is to pretty much, it's a news feed where you can personalize and search through all the things that you like. And there's competitions and there's places where you can go and learn, like the link I sent you and just discussion areas. I was doing a 
search on weather, trying to help out with the weather lesson that we were going to look at. And it just has all this data that you can, you can get to and source. And I think it's the sky's the limit. So if you're really into data science, if you're into machine learning, anything AI, this is the website to kind of go into because they've aggregated it all nicely. I would add to that a couple things that I noticed that were distinctive about this that I really liked. They're not just providing data sets, they're actually actively curating those data sets. So as new data is added to them, they're making sure that the data quality stays very high. They're curating and culling old data that's out of date or inaccurate. So you have access to just huge amounts of data through the Kaggle platform, and then they also combine those Jupyter-style notebooks into it so that you can run all of your own analysis right there on the Kaggle site. So it's pretty impressive what you can do with Kaggle. And they have, in addition to the data sets and the, the notebooks, they also have a learning section, which is where I found that data science course that you sent me. They have within that a seven-day Python challenge. So you could learn Python in theory in seven days, which I thought was really interesting. I haven't gone through the course yet, but this might be a good place to, to access some free learning or to, to be able to refer students to learn some new information. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a good place to start to just get kids to look at data from other sources. Just looking at energy consumption right now, looking at how it changes over time, over the years. And then there's actually public the domain of all the electricity and where the light company and the electric comes from. So I just think that if you can get this data out to kids and start talking to them about what they see, maybe they'll be curious of how they can curate it like you were doing with your with your Panda and your, your rocket and acceleration. Right. I think it, it's a really good way of being able to gather insights from data. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really the goal of, of our units that when we talk about data science is to help our students become more literate with data. And I'm really excited about the possibilities with Kaggle for doing that. Yeah, London crime data from 2008 to 2016. Who knew? It is time to end our podcast. We hope you enjoyed the the books, the tour through our library today. We're excited to see what's next on our bookshelf. We have many other books as well. We wanted to give you some highlights of our favorites for the new year. So if you're looking for something to spend your holiday gift card on or some winter reading while you're maybe on break from your or teaching summer duties. reading if you're, in the, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere. So Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so curl up with a good Python book this month and let us know what you think. Yeah. You can reach us at teachingpython or our, through our website at www.teachingpython.fm. This is Kelly. And this is Sean. Goodbye.